we need to talk um, C2E2. Like what we want to, if there's anything okay. we want to see, we got to look at the schedule and like what, hopefully panels are out. And like, okay. When is C2E2? March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Okay. I'm taking off the Friday. Okay. My nice. flights are off the 22nd, so I have the whole weekend open. So, um, are you ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, I know what I was going to say. All right, I got my joke. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that promises we will throw you the whip if you throw us the idol. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. How's it going? And um, we have... Well, I was, you know, we had a lot of news last week. I'm shocked that we have more news, like the amount of news to talk about this week, because I felt it was kind of a slow gathering of news and it all kind of hit at once. Um, uh, I also want to preface that uh, Peter is a little under the weather, so uh, if his voice sounds weird, we both apologize. If Peter coughs, we both apologize, Um, but we want to get these episodes in. Um, So uh, let's talk uh real quick it is february 20th um at the time of this recording so let's talk about what we are um reading watching what do we got yeah um i actually haven't had a time to or a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff i did watch this uh interesting movie on uh, netflix though called uh He's out there. Have you ever heard of this no. or seen this there's a lot so, of before you go into that there's a lot of netflix content lately yeah that like, Netflix is in panic mode because of Disney's app coming, and they're oh, yeah. trying to get so much content out mm-hmm. that I almost don't know what is on Netflix to watch anymore. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And I feel like when I talk to people, they're having the same feelings. Like, they don't, like, they're like, oh my god, there's so much stuff. I don't even know what's there anymore. Right. So. there's a, They're doing a lot of original series and original movies coming right, out. Which is awesome, mm-hmm. but again, I don't even know what's... You know, I'm like, I still haven't watched You yet, which I really do. I want to watch You, yeah. but I haven't had a chance. And with that being said, now you're about to tell me about something else. Yeah, well, I mean, they, then, they also have uh, The Umbrella <laughs> Academy just yes, came out, which the is Umbrella, another big one. Exactly. So, so. Um, this movie actually wasn't a uh, Netflix original as far as I'm as far as I know. But uh, it's honestly like I watch a lot of uh, horror movies in my spare time. And this is just kind of a random horror movie that I actually was kind of thinking was going to be bad. I was like, okay, he's out there. That's a dumb title. Let's check out what this is about. And, uh, I watched it and, uh, it's just ended up being like one of the most (laughs) suspenseful, like legit frightening horror movies I've ever seen. Um, I don't really know like how to go into it, but it's kind of just about this family that goes to a vacation home and uh, they end up getting tormented by a character who um, has a connection to this house that they're staying in. And uh, there's only, I think there's only two actual kills in the movie. One of them is shown off screen, but the movie finds a way to deliver just like really intense, very uh, frightening scares, I guess. So if I would say it's just not for the faint of heart. Like this legitimately had me on the edge of my seat. So uh, yeah, cool, that's right. about all I have to say about that one. They right. got a cool. Uh, I got really into like the villain designs too in slasher movies, and this one has a pretty cool looking, like freaky looking villain too. So cool. Uh, did you watch anything else? Or we? That's just... about it. Like honestly, okay. I've been busy doing random other stuff. So cool. Uh, okay. How about you? Well, uh, like I said, I was super busy with that play that I was doing, yeah. and uh, I my DVR was mad at me, so I had to play some catch up. Uh, so I haven't really watched anything new ish, but I got caught up on Supergirl. Awesome. Nice. I got caught up on Flash. 
awesome. I got caught up on Gotham. Great. Yeah. Um, I got caught up on the Orville. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm knocking them out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that and the rest of my busy schedule, I was able to start... Um, I was able to start the book, uh, The Three Secret Cities by Matthew Riley. It's a part of a series. Uh, Matthew Riley is by far probably my favorite author of all time. Um, I just love his work. So usually when a book comes out, everything has to cease for me to read. Yeah. Um, I started it thinking this is the perfect opportunity to start it. I got like about 100 pages in and then something happened and I had to put the book down and I was all set. But that's fine. There's nothing wrong with reading 100 pages and then going back and reading 100 pages. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I'm moving through that, which is great. So um, great. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's really what I'm on right now. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the series uh, Three Secret the the series that Three Secret Cities is a part of is uh, called the Jack West series. Mm-hmm. Um, he is what I would the the best way of referring to him as a character is he is what Indiana Jones would be if he existed today. Okay. Um. So it's it it's high adventure, very action passed, incredibly fast paced. So I think I talked about that a little bit a while back, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I finally got a chance to sit down and start reading it. So nice. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I can't, and I kind of know, and there's a, there's something that got brought up in dialogue that makes me wonder if that's what the next book is about. Because there's, mm-hmm. it's a seven book series. So there's, after this one, there's two more books. And I just have a feeling based on something that came up in dialogue, I think I know what the next book is. Like at least what the title is probably going to be. So. Nice. I don't know though. <laughs> anyway, it's anyway, um, so a nice that, uh, fan theory you've got going there. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the first book in the series was titled "The Seven Deadly Wonders." Okay, okay, this which was like, and when I say seven deadly wonders, there's the seven wonders of the world, <coughs> and then there's the seven wonders of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. So, and when I say ancient world, I'm referring to like the Great Pyramid and the uh, the Hanging Gardens and the Colossus of Rhodes, and you know. Um, I don't remember all seven, but the seven ancient wonders, but it's called, the book is called the seven deadly wonders. And when you read the book, you understand why that's, why that's what the book is called. The second book in the series. Now, when I read the first one, seven deadly wonders, it closed as if it was a one shot book. Like you wrote it for the sake of being a single book. And then something must've sparked an idea for a sequel. And then he wrote the six sacred stones. Okay. And after he wrote The Six Sacred Stones, he wrote The Five Greatest Warriors. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a trilogy. And when you read, get to the end of The Five Greatest Warriors, you think to yourself, oh, it is a trilogy. The way it, yeah. the way it closed, you're like, that was really kind of cool. Just a three-book cycle. No big deal. You know what I mean? It was re- they were fantastic reads. Mm-hmm. But he did a uh, Reddit AMA uh, and asked me anything on Reddit. And someone asked if there were more Jack West series coming. And he said in the AMA that... Um, he has a piece of paper with the plot lines written for all seven. Nice. So clearly he's counting down. So the fourth book that came out was called uh, The Four Legendary Kingdoms. Right. And then this is The Three Secret Cities. Okay. So obviously we have two something and then one whatever is the final book. So I'm just really excited to see how this all plays out. And they're really, <laughs> nice. they're super action packed. Um, lots of history. So like you learn like all this historical stuff wrapped into this fictional story that they're telling you. Kind of like, I mean, Indiana Jones went after fiction, uh, historical artifacts. Right. And then there was this fictional story wrapped around it. So very similar to that kind of thing. And then it's hyper-violent and bloody and, you know, it's just it's <laughs> nice. just a really great sit. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, um, that's about it for my watching and reading category. Um, <laughs> nice. What are you? Uh, do you want to talk some news? Because we got a lot to unpack. Yeah, sounds good. Yes, a lot to unpack tonight. Um, <coughs> we've been covering lots of DC news because DC's been pumping out news, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. have some Marvel stories to discuss. Yeah. Um, there's been some information that released about the Loki television series that's going to Disney. Um, I don't, it's very vague. Um, so let me read this to you. So Rick and Morty writer, uh, Michael Walden joins the upcoming Loki series. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Right. The show will reportedly follow Loki as the trickster and shapeshifter as he pops up throughout human history as an unlikely influencer on historical events. <laughs> okay. So that almost sounds like a really weird Loki is Doctor Who kind of a thing. Okay, yeah. Does you see where I'm getting at? Yeah. Yeah, I just it's I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how I kind of took yeah. it. Like, at least how I felt. Um there's maybe. something else some other story about like a character who shows up at like all these different <laughs> historical events and like influences them. I can't think of right. what it is. Though, well, but. that's it's interesting to do a show like that and then you got to tie that back to Marvel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tie it back to the movies. But what would be cool, and this is just spitballing off the top of my head, is if Loki pops up throughout different moments in human history, influences event that pushes, let's say, S.H.I.E.L.D. to doing something specific, or influences another rogue group to cause S.H.I.E.L.D. to do something. So all yeah. the pieces are in place by the time he has to make the attack on New York okay. in the first Avengers film. Yeah. That's that's just like if if I was a writer, that's a way that I would go. <coughs> right on. So, okay. Um but um I like the idea of uh, Michael Walden from Rick and Morty joining the cast only because that what's going to add a comedic element to it. Mm-hmm. Um not joining the cast, joining the team. <laughs> For sure. Um, uh, any thoughts on that or no? Um I mean, yeah, not necessarily. I think it sounds kind of cool, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, the next piece of Marvel news is a Marvel lineup got listed about all the movies that are confirmed oh, okay. slash rumored. I have not heard about this. And but this all is... these movies are post-Endgame. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now, this does account for the X-Men films. And I say that because we don't know what the Disney integration with Marvel is yet in terms of... Disney, Marvel, Fox, X-Men, and Avengers lineup. So these are all the movies with dates slash no dates slash rumored slash we don't know, but they're in the works kind of things. So I thought I'd read these through. Comment as soon as you hear something that makes you perk up because some of these, look, we all saw Infinity War. (coughs) Thanos snapped his fingers. All these people disappeared. What happened there? Um, Well, all the people who disappeared have sequels coming (laughs) so we know something is in the works in terms of endgame so technically this list is a spoiler list but an announcement of a movie i'm sorry there's no way you're going to avoid an announcement of a film so here's what we got um post endgame x-men dark phoenix june 7th right of 2019 followed by spider-man far from home july 5th 2019 after that, new X-Men, New Mutants. Cool. Did they um, give a date for that one? August 2nd, 2019. Oh, nice. After New Mutants, Morbius. <laughs> Sweet. July 10th, 2020. We knew it's, it's going to happen, and it's going to have uh, Jared Leto as Yeah, Morbius, the Jared Leto so. Morbius movie. I'm actually um, kind of excited about this one. Like, I liked Venom a lot, and I just want to see what they do the with more, it. The more, the closer we get... 
the closer we get to Morbius and the more we learn about what they're doing or what like when they announce like cast or this person joined the cast and that kind of thing, I'm like, ooh, Morbius is shaping up. Yeah. So uh, after Morbius, Black Panther two, no okay. date. Yeah, but I think we all confirmed, knew it was but coming, no date. But, yeah. We all we all knew it was coming. I heard that one's gonna be nominated for best picture in 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc Strange two. Okay. Confirmed, no date. Right. Um, the Eternals. Okay. Con- I don't. I honestly don't know much about the Eternals. So I don't know much okay, about the Eternals. Enough. And at this point, because of because of Marvel making some of the changes from book from page to screen, I almost think that, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy, how some of those things altered prior to what they were in the comics to what they became in the screen. I almost wonder if I should just ignore any knowledge of trying to learn about the Eternals and just be surprised as like, I'm already a Marvel fan. You're not, I'm still going to buy a ticket. I'm going to be there. So I might as like, should I just learn about the Eternals when I see it on screen? Yeah. I mean, it it worked for me with the, with uh, guardians of the galaxy. Like I went into that movie, not knowing. Well, guardians of the galaxy. I knew who star Lord was. I knew who rocket raccoon was. and I knew who Groot was, but for the most part, I didn't know (laughs) much more about it. Yeah. And I know that as we get closer to a movie like the Eternals, we're going to hear some more, and I'm willing to bet there's a character, and then I'm like, oh, he was one of them? Okay. Yeah. Then, you know, so, but I think something like that will happen. Sweet. Um, so, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Okay, that's a wild card. Confirmed, confirmed, but no date. Any uh, directors tied to that nope, one? No, I just said confirmed okay. and no date. <laughs> so, um, <coughs> Venom 2, confirmed, but no date. I we all knew Venom Two was coming. They yep. announced it a long time ago, so that's not a big surprise. Um, Black Widow is currently considered rumored. Weird. I found that interesting because we've talked, we have talked about Black Widow coming. We've talked about Black Widow possibly getting an R rating. Yeah, and um, from what I understand, when they talked about Disney looking at a possible R rating, made me think that Black Widow is a confirmed thing. Yeah. So I thought it was weird that when I was digging around, I found out that it's considered rumored. As far as I'm concerned, it's a confirmed, but no date. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just tied up in pre-production where (laughs) maybe they're working on the script, but that's as far as they are. And until a good script is turned out, they can't really even say more about it, you know? Now, I didn't place this list. I'm down to two more before I read them. I didn't place this list because... In the order they are, this is the order that they were when I found the list. Okay, for sure. Um, so I'm assuming that these are the order they're planning on coming out. So technically, the movies could get... Re- this is not at all a release order. For the ones that are confirmed and no dates, this is not at all a release order because we don't know. They could shuffle them around. What I do yeah. know is is that that's the order that I found them in. So uh, after Black Widow was Ant-Man 3. Okay. Is rumored. Okay, I could see them doing an Ant-Man 3. You know, Paul Rudd's around. He clearly is enjoying himself, and why not? We want to see more of the Wasp anyway. Um, And the last one on the list, which has me really interested, is Nova. Nice. Now, the reason Nova has me interested is because of Guardians of the Galaxy. We we met and learned about the Nova Corps, and then when you jump to Infinity War, you find out that Xandar was wiped out. Well, Nova, the character Nova, is the last remaining Nova Corps person yeah so he's he's the last remaining nova so that's why they call him nova and i'm just like why i for some reason when i saw that we had the nova core in the first guardians of the galaxy movie i was expecting a nova movie right so 
thoughts? No, nothing um, to say there. Like, I mean, you're, it's you're cool. just nodding feel, your head at me like you. <laughs> I feel like it's. Uh, I'm excited to see it happen. I kind of thought they would have done that sooner, but so I mean, I. we'll see. We'll see where it goes. And uh, Nova's Nova's a prime character on the animated Spider-Man series on the Disney yeah. Channel and stuff. So out of the list, and uh, before I say this, I can point out this could be potential spoilers for future MCU stuff. But uh, out of the list, you notice there's none of the core original Avengers have a movie on there except for Black Widow. I know. So what does that mean? Are they all going to be around after I don't Endgame? know. I'm no. not sure. Well, here's what's interesting. Um, since It's funny that you say that because Robert Downey Jr. released... I don't know if this is an old post or a new post. I saw it on Instagram two days ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a picture of Robert Downey Jr. holding a plate, uh, like a little card in front of him. And on the card it says, Iron Man 4 or Shadow or um, Sherlock Holmes 3. <laughs> and that's all it said. And yeah. I was like, is this, an, is this an old post? Is this a new post? <laughs> is this, like, are you just fishing to see what fans want? Like, wh- I don't understand what this is. Yeah. So um, if it's a new post, that makes me really curious. As to what that could mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why Robert Downey Jr. would ever stop playing Iron Man, but I mean, he might get tired of it. But he's also he makes so much money every time he plays Iron Man, and he's at the point where he doesn't even have to do that much of a physical performance because most of the actual action stuff is just CG now with yeah. Iron Man. So I don't know. I mean, if I were him, I'd keep doing it. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I, same. If I were him, I'd keep doing it too. <laughs> um, and it's not because I would want my fans to go, ooh, we need more of this stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. the, it makes good money and whatnot. Um, so let's talk about these Hulu shows. Okay, yeah, um, for sure. Just because it's more Marvel. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we've been giving a lot of love to DC lately just because they've been pumping it out. So uh, you want to tell us about the Marvel shows on Hulu? <laughs> sure. Um, and then so, I have a very important point when I say Marvel shows on Hulu. Remember that line. <laughs> you tell us about what we got. So, yeah, essentially Hulu's producing uh, four different shows uh, that are all Marvel properties. Um and uh, that includes Modoc. Um, I can't remember the other ones, uh, but one of them for sure was Howard the Duck, which is apparently being written by Kevin Smith. So I think that's really cool. I feel like and if- Mo- and Modoc um, is a big a character with this giant head that sits on a floaty chair, and he's yeah. a villain, and he's going to be voiced by Patton Oswalt. <laughs> um, Howard the Duck we know is animated. Yeah. And I'm assuming at this point they could all be animated. That's that's kind of what I'm gleaning from the news that I'm seeing about it. But I don't know a lot about it. I feel like with Howard the Duck, if you want to get somebody to write a Howard the Duck show, I think Kevin Smith is like a perfect guy to go to. Like I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, Modoc I've always liked for his. Uh, kind of crazy design and stuff like that but uh yeah i mean do you have any thoughts on this or well i it's it's great awesome let's do it yeah um kevin smith has been talking on his podcast about a little bit about some upcoming project that he's been working on that has been very hush hush you can't talk about so when the news dropped i figured this was the project he was talking about mm-hmm. um only because it's tied to marvel and disney and stuff um but my big point that i wanted to make so like i said remember that i said uh, Marvel on Hulu is we all know that there's a Disney app coming that's going to have Marvel content. Yeah, Disney's <coughs> pulling all their Marvel content from Netflix and they're canceling all their Netflix shows. So why would Disney go and put Marvel content on Hulu? And this is the point I want to tell you. So Disney 
buys Fox. We all like remembered that whole thing, like we've been talking about a lot with Disney buying Fox and the X Men integration and all that stuff. But Disney also owns sixty percent of the Hulu shareholders oh, okay. sh- of the stocks. So Disney is a majority shareholder at Hulu. So technically, Disney has controlling interest of anything that goes on Hulu. So these shows very well could be like miniseries to get the Hulu watchers <laughs> to understand that there's Marvel content out there and there's this new app coming. Um, because Disney said that any rated R properties that they get <coughs> from Fox, yeah, like the Alien franchise or the Die Hard franchise, will be on Hulu as opposed to the Disney streaming yeah. app because they want to make the Disney app more family friendly. So... Um, I just, that's, you know, a huge piece on the corporate puzzle of Disney's global domination. Yeah. I mean, that all, that actually helps make sense out of just the whole situation a lot. Um, you mentioning R-rated properties, um, I would love to see like a live action, like aliens TV series go on to Hulu someday or something. So speaking, speaking of that, and this is not on the news board, but you just reminded me, I saw an article yesterday that James Cameron wants to get back into aliens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So James Cameron, we all know him from Titanic fame or avatar fame, but he wrote and directed the second aliens film. Yeah. Um, which tends to be the fan favorite or the collected. This is the one everyone refers to when they're talking about the alien franchise. Um, but James Cameron hasn't touched it since then. But mm-hmm. he expressed interest in coming back to Aliens. That is like the coolest idea ever, in my opinion. Is so. um, Ridley Scott going to let him? Because I, I, think... I have no idea. <laughs> but Ridley, Ridley Scott's Scott... kind of like overseeing all True. that right now. But Ridley Scott could very well have gone, okay, well, you want to come back to Aliens. How about this? I'm doing my prequel stuff. Do you want to do sequel stuff? I mean, yeah, that'd or, be hey, awesome. I'm going to do this prequel movie that I'm working on. You go do a TV series. Yeah. But I think at this point, someone needs to do an Alien television series. Oh, yeah. Like, That'd Aliens is... Alien, if we if we were to do a top five um, Alien life pot list, Aliens probably would make my top... Would be, like, my number one pick right there. It's one of my all-time favorite sci-fi horror anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely time for that. Um, really quick, I did actually find the full list of the Hulu shows. Okay. My phone was loading a little slow, but uh, the actual list of these Marvel shows on Hulu is Modoc, Hit Monkey, Tigra and Dazzler, and Howard the Duck. Yeah. So there based you go. on those character names all together, sounds like they're all going to be animated. Yeah, they're going to be animated off the wall crazy shows. Yeah. I don't know if they're yeah. going to be kids shows or more adult oriented but because Kevin Smith's writing Howard the Duck, <laughs> because because he's writing Howard the Duck, yeah. I have a feeling that it will be <laughs> adult. Yeah. Um, so, um, real quick some other Marvel news. Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart are getting a, goal, a Guinness Book of World Records award for their work in the, for longest running Marvel characters. Sounds about right. Does it I don't know because I, mean, I read this and I thought that was really cool. I'm like, yay for Hugh Jackman because he played Wolverine eight times. Yeah. I went back and double checked the count. He played Wolverine eight times, but um, Robert Downey Jr. is neck and neck with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. But Robert Downey Jr. overshadows Patrick Stewart. Wow. Okay. So I thought that was odd. That it but would it's, be I think it's um, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. Time, it's. I think it's more about like the time that they've played it. So there, like, there is year, that possibility year. where you know Iron, 
<coughs> Robert Downey Jr. has three Iron Man films, two Avengers films, three Avengers films at this point, and then cameos. Yeah. So if you're talking about screen time, you're probably right where Patrick Stewart has them overshadowed. Well, I meant just like from like this year to this year, Patrick Stewart was doing it before. Oh, um, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I'm kind of curious how, uh, where Stan Lee fits into this though. Because isn't he technically a watcher in all those films or is that only the MCU? He he is a watcher. That is a good point. I don't know. Look, I'm not trying to say the Guinness Book of World (laughs) Records is wrong. Yeah. But when I saw the article, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yay for them. And then I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. has been in, like, how many times has he played Iron Man? And I started counting, and I go up to my shelf, and I started counting movies. I'm like, no, he wasn't in that <laughs> one. And I'm like, I'm like eight, no, nine, like, you know. So um, that's a really good question. Yeah, for sure. But So hopefully more comes of that. I hope the internet doesn't, like, trounce on the Guinness Book of World Records and, you know, yell at him for I, it. So. I think it is, like, the time, like, year-wise, like, start to finish, and uh, that's probably the only reason why. But maybe it'll be Robert, Robert Downey Jr. someday, you know. Sure. Um, well, how about this? Let's uh, move on. Let's get away from comic books for a minute and jump on the storyteller. Do you know what this is? Yeah. The Jim Henson storyteller from 1987. Yeah. I think I've mentioned it a couple times, but I could never remember the name of the show. Cool. You want to yeah. tell us a little bit about it then? Um, since you are nodding your head going, yeah, I know what this is. <laughs> well, it's it was on uh, HBO. Am I? Is that accurate? Uh, sure. This, actually, Jim Henson had a big contract with HBO back in the day. Like... Um, all the Jim Henson stuff, like uh, Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock, were all HBO long before they were PBS. Mm-hmm. And now uh, HBO has Sesame Street back. So all the new Sesame Streets <coughs> actually air on HBO, and then later PBS gets them. Which is interesting, because if you're an HBO person and you're a big Fraggle Rock fan, all the Fraggle Rocks are on <laughs> HBO on demand. Nice. <laughs> so... Um, with that being said, go ahead. Tell us about. Oh, so um, I mean, from what I remember, it was it was a uh, show that they retold like classic fairy tales and stuff. Yeah. But they did it in the style of Jim Henson, where it was more akin to uh, Labyrinth or Dark, Dark Crystal, Crystal, where like the you'd Jim have, Henson's Creature Shop. Yeah, and you'd have like human characters interacting with dragons and goblins and fairies and all these cool looking crazy puppets on it, and it was just kind of like short films or episodes that went through different stories um and they were just really imaginative ma- imaginative and cool and i think it's just kind of one of those more or less forgotten properties that are that's out there yeah. but it was a really fun thing when it happened well the reason this hits this hits news is because they're going to reboot storyteller yeah i've like, uh, heard a little bit about okay, this. okay i don't know where it's going to air i was just thought it was really exciting um i le- i have always liked the muppets I've always liked Jim Henson stuff, so it's one of those things where you're just like, you know, in a world of remakes and reboots, do we want to have everything redone? This, absolutely, bring it on, like, because they might not remake the original stuff, they might tell all new stuff, Mm -hmm. so um, it could be really, really cool, it could just be dark, twisted versions of the old stuff, you know what I mean, like, who knows, I, I don't know, I just, they had an image from the original thing attached to the article and i was like yes bring this on <laughs> yeah so um i think uh it'll be interesting too are they going to do all you know puppetry and practical effects for this one or are they going to bring cg into it you know Ooh. <laughs> jim henson and cg i don't see th- i can see them doing that maybe for an environment mm-hmm. if they had to tell some big elaborate thing with a crazy environment but i really don't see 
I wouldn't Jim think Henson so, doing but anything CG in terms of Henson Productions would want to do everything as practical as possible. Yeah. Um, and then the other... Because otherwise, it's not puppets then. There's another bit of news I've heard about this. Do you know who... I don't know if he's just producing it or a lead writer or something, but there's a big name attached to this reboot. I'm getting a blank stare. Uh, from what I hear, like, yeah. Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah, it was like, Neil Gaiman. Sorry, yeah. the blank stare was me just going, <laughs> what, what was that name again? Yes, I thought. Yeah. Neil Gaiman, writer and creator of The Sandman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And he did, like, uh, Coraline and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you watch, like, a movie like Coraline, you can definitely see how that would translate into a property right. like The Storyteller. Yeah, and so. Neil Gaiman's weird enough to not want to do CG anyway. And <laughs> For do sure. Practical yeah. Thing, so. um, all right, so Stranger Things. Tell me about it. Do you know what this is? No, I have no idea. Okay, so Stranger Things, we're all big fans of Stranger Things. Who's not? (coughs) In the opening of Stranger Things, the first season, what do we get to see? Uh, Some kids sitting around a table. and uh, They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) I was kidding. (laughs) And so what... uh, What they're doing over at Wizards of the Coast is they are releasing... The Stranger Things Dungeons and Dragons starter set. Okay. So it is the exact manuals. It is print copies of the exact manuals that the kids in Stranger Things play are using. Uh, miniatures that mimic all the characters from Stra- the of the kids' characters with the character <laughs> sheets based on all the kids' characters from the show, and you get the Demogorgon miniature. Nice. You also get the maps that they used. You get Mike's story. So the story he's telling with the yeah. kids in terms of the game, you get that, and it's going to be a Stranger Things starter set for Dungeons and Dragons. That's awesome. I just thought that was like one of the coolest things, and it made me go, "Oh, I kind of want to get that." <laughs> like that's and it's, not to, and not to play, but just to have it on the shelf. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool. Um, I have a couple different thoughts about this. One is like. Uh, I think it's really cool that they uh, there's a lot of people I've seen criticize the D&D that happens in Stranger Things just because it's a little bit exaggerated or they added things like, for example... Let's, I, let's be honest. <laughs> Before you give me on, let's be honest. Yeah, it's exaggerated, but it's a television show. And at well, the same time, it's the most realistic as opposed to <laughs> any D&D you see no, anywhere else. No, that's true. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so for example, when the kids are trying to find something to compare the upside down to in D&D. They find something in one of the handbooks that's called like the Shadow Realm or something yeah. like that. And that, I guess, doesn't exist in D&D, like that alternate dimension. That's fine. What's cool about this though is this is something D&D is actually publishing that's making all of that canon right. retroactively, which right. I think is really cool, to be right. honest. Exactly. So, so but, that's, but that's a gamer. That's someone who's a big Dungeons & Dragons fan realizing yeah. hey, I gotta like debunk this because... I'm a jerk on the internet. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, like, you shouldn't complain about that. <coughs> I get, I, um, I played a lot of paintball really heavily, like, during college and stuff. And I get really frustrated with when they do paintball in movies and television. <laughs> yeah. Because it's always, always hyper wrong. Yep. Every time. It drives me nuts. I'm like, no, 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 no. That would never happen like that. <laughs> Especially in Big Bang Theory. They get paintball wrong constantly. <laughs> it drives me nuts. So, um, I'm like, there is no paintball. How did uh, Community do? Because everybody loves that Community episode. Community's paintball, they did a couple of them, and they were weird. <laughs> so, what they were doing was, is it predicated, like, st- there was all this, like, story stuff. <laughs> 
attached to it. So if anyone doesn't know, the mo- there's a television show called Community, which takes place at a community college, and they had some really weird, like, very pop culture-centric episodes. And they did a couple paintball ones, and the paintball ones, the reason that they were fine is because they got bizarre. And, like, there was, like, a guy who was a legitimate gunslinger and dressed up as a cowboy, and he had paintball guns and holsters and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, they, they made it weird enough <laughs> that it you you got lost in the fantasy of the idea of the story as opposed <laughs> to the actual game aspect. Right. Where Big Bang Theory is, we're going to go play paintball, you know, and that's where, you know, you, you make those... Yeah, you wonder like you know who gave you guys the <laughs> idea to do this because you guys are completely off the mark. <laughs> I think uh, my favorite paintball uh, sequence in a movie is in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, and they've got these weird like water balloons filled with paint they're throwing at each other. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. Yeah, and um, not practical if you actually play the, if you actually play sure. the sport. Not practical. At all. Um, I feel like they'd have a hard time popping too, but that's besides the point. Right. Uh, tangent aside, Stranger Things D&D, this just sounds awesome, and I kind of want to get my hands on it, just for, right. just for the shelf. Yeah. Um, whether I open it or not, it doesn't, you know. I'm curious how long the campaign is, too, like, maybe you can play it in one session, because... It probably is designed as a one session, yeah. because it's a starter set, um, and if you know anything about how Dungeons & Dragons lays out, uh, the starter set's designed to take, it always has, like, preloaded characters, and you just basically play through... A cert, you play it. You play through a story point that gets you up to a certain level, and then it's up to your DM to continue it if you guys so choose to do so. Otherwise, the story ends there. Yeah. So if this is a starter set. It's probably a up to fifth level setting up. So, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to our lightsaber sport. <laughs> right. Um, you. You. I'm gonna let you run with this one just because you're the one who found the article and sent it to me. Yeah. So uh, I sent you an article the other day that uh, essentially says lightsaber. This is very exciting. <laughs> Not to interrupt you before yeah. you say it, but <laughs> this is very exciting. Go ahead. Um, lightsaber dueling has officially um, been announced as an official sport of uh, the country of France. So I guess the the way the story breaks down is France has a. Uh, official fencing league or fencing group or whatever and they're the ones who have pushed for this uh to happen where they're basically i don't know if they're going to do this or they have already started uh instituting different clubs around the country um as well as like tutors and stuff like that to help people learn lightsaber dueling and then have like their own uh competitions and stuff like that um and I guess, like, this is a big push where they've been saying, like, we want to get people off their couches and uh, get them exercising more of their body than just their thumbs, you know, playing video games. And uh, they just thought this was, like, a really cool thing to push for. And uh, I guess the French government, or I don't know who decides it, was cool enough to say, like, yeah, we're okay with this lightsaber dueling as an official sport here. So, look, whether you want to get people off the couch and do more exercising, everyone wants to play with lightsabers. Yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't get a chance to put a lightsaber in their hand that they don't whoosh it around and start making noises. Um, this is a great thing. This is a great thing not just for <coughs> France adding a sport, but this is a great thing for <laughs> nerd culture and Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, everyone wants to play with lightsabers. It's great. It's, uh, yeah, another facet of it, too, is, like, I guess... Uh, the fencing league has like recognizes that like 
fantasy and sci-fi movies have been attracting people to the sport of fencing for years. And they're like, I mean, non-elitist enough to recognize Star Wars is doing this too. We're going to embrace lightsaber fighting. And I think that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that I will. First off, I want to go play with a lightsaber right now. And I think <laughs> Peter and I are going to go beat each other yeah. up after we hit, turn off the microphone um, with lightsabers. But, um, I can't tell you how many times we were kids running around the backyard with lightsabers beating the hell out of each other. Um, But if you really want, if you if you want to see how like nutso this like sci-fi fantasy lightsaber fencing all that stuff going on is, there's a really really great documentary on Amazon right now called Reclaiming the Blade, and it's basically a history of the sword. Cool. But they go from everything from like Lord of the Rings to Star Wars to the old Errol Flynn Robin Hood. uh, Robin Hood movies to you know anything that had swords in it they talk about all that stuff and then talk about the influence of the pop culture aspect yeah. of the sword and where it is today with fencing and they yeah. talk they do talk about LARPing they do talk about you know all this stuff but at the same time um, when I got to the end of that documentary I was like I want to pick up a sword and go fight somebody right so um i was gonna say that old errol flynn robin hood movie that's when people mastered the art of uh making sure their sa- their shadows looked cool fighting when they were yeah. sword fighting <laughs> not only not only that but i'll tell you that's legit fencing too oh yeah as opposed to stage combat type stuff like there was probably a little stage combat but those guys probably had to be trained as actual fencers. Oh, i could imagine that be back then yeah um and you can tell when you watch those fight scenes because the movie might not hold up necessarily in terms of the technology or the uh, the writing, um, the film tech, I mean, or the writing, but those those fencing scenes are fantastic. Mm-hmm, for um, sure. So, uh, all right, there's one more story on the list that I need to talk about, and that is Batman. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm bringing this up because Ben Affleck has left, and we are in the midst of trying to find a new Batman and I said that if I had if I had to pick if I was the one in charge of casting I would pick Army Hammer as Batman he would be my first choice right mm-hmm. okay so we hit we turned off the microphones last week and then all I've seen is Army Hammer for Batman mm-hmm. it's almost like people are listening to us even though we don't record this live so I think it's funny with that said all this, and I saw reports. Army Hammer is in a is in final talks to play Batman. Cool. From multiple sources, until Army Hammer has said no one's asked me about it, <laughs> which is a bummer. Yeah. Like that's what he said. He he said no one in charge of casting has even remotely asked about my schedule or if I was interested. That means Army Hammer is listening. But he was a he was supposed to play Batman in yeah. a George uh, uh, not George Romero. No, uh, George George Miller, yeah. George Miller. Yeah, a George Miller <laughs> yeah. Justice League film that got scrapped. Well, Army Hammer's grown up now, so he's a little older. Lock this down. Like, that's what I gotta say. It's just yeah. lock this down. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right. So, um, and I, in all seriousness, Army Hammer for Batman. I'll I, get a bumper sticker. I like the idea of Army Hammer, too, because he is, like, taller. Like, I feel like he has the stature to be a really, like intimidating batman uh some other fan casts that get tossed around like uh oscar isaac and stuff like that i just don't see him as batman just because i don't see him being that intimidating but i feel i don't see i don't see oscar isaac being big enough yeah that's kind of where i feel like army hammer can kind of fit that mold really well and it's kind of like okay so when you looked at so let's batman versus superman justice league 
You already had Henry Cavill for Superman. Yeah. You needed a Batman that could stand next to Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's huge. He's like 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", something like that. Like, he's tall, and he's massive. You need a Batman, because of those two specific characters, you need a Batman that could stand next to him. Yeah. Um, and Ben Affleck is, like, almost the same height, and he's massive. So, you know, like, when you want to play for that, regardless of acting quality or, like, that iconic chin that Affleck has in the suit, that's something you want to look at. Yeah. You know, um, Army Hammer could stand... So if Henry Cavill, let's say he still is Superman, because I feel like the jury's still out in that boat. Yeah. Army Hammer could stand next to Henry Cavill, no problem. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen it happen in uh, The Man from Uncle, and they had a pretty good, like, chemistry in that movie, right. so why not, you know, right. put exactly. them against let's each other again? Let's do it. Um... All right, that's it for the news. That <laughs> sounds great. Um, so let's, uh, if there's no more news for the night, so you know what that means, right? List time. Yeah, list time. Here we go. And now for the top five. All right, so I have a feeling, Peter, that we are going to match a lot tonight, so we could be rolling through this real fast. Okay. Um, um, I have some, I think you're right, but I have some wild cards I threw in there cause you threw in there just for fun. <laughs> well, like, so like when I thought I, I had like an initial list that I think I would match with you a lot. And then I thought a little bit more about certain choices and I went the further step that where I don't think they'll match. And you'll see oh, what that means as okay. we reveal the list. All right. Well, I actually have two honorable mentions and one's kind of a cheat. Okay, so, I've got two as well. Okay. So. Um, before I go on with this, I do want to say I said vehicles. So we're doing top five pop culture iconic vehicles. Yes. Now, when I say vehicles, in my head, I did specifically think of things that are on the ground. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if you went outer space and chose, like, the Millennium Falcon, I'm okay with that because that'll just mean we'll get to revisit this list at some other point. Right. And change it around and okay. change the rules. Um, I was just thinking ground because that's more of a vehicle, where I think the Falcon, the Millennium Falcon from Star right. Wars is more of a starship. So if we were to do pop culture <laughs> space things or starships or whatever, right. you know, that's where I, that would have okay. been. Fair so enough. all of my stuff is ground-based. Okay. Um, most of my stuff is, but it's Okay, not and that's why also. I say yeah. it doesn't... It does, I have one that could maybe account to be a f yeah. flying thing, but other than that, they're all ground for the most part. Um, so this was my pick, so you get to go first. Okay, sounds great. So, uh, two, I have two honorable mentions. Uh, my first one is the Mystery Machine. So the van that... Scooby-Doo. Yes, from Scooby-Doo that the gang drives around in and solves mysteries. Uh, this one doesn't really have, uh, any special features or anything. It's kind of just a recognizable <laughs> van, but... It's a recognizable I grew, van. <laughs> I grew up watching Scooby-Doo and, uh... Well, every time I see the mystery machine, it brings a smile to my face, so I had to right on. mention it. Cool. Um, this is, I'm going to give you my cheat. Uh, Silver, the Lone Ranger's horse. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's not a vehicle, it's a living thing, but Lone Ranger was my first childhood hero. Um, if anyone knows me well enough, they, they, they know that, and I was really, and I enjoyed the new Lone Ranger movie, even though yeah. it got bad box office dollars and all that stuff. So, But Silver was his horse, and... I had to at least give it. A, I had to at least give it a shout <laughs> to, out. To so. be fair, I saw a pop culture vi uh, vehicle list that had uh, the horse from Toy Story on it. Is it Bullseye? Is that Bullseye? Yeah, yeah, Bullseye was on that list. So I mean, well, I guess Bullseye. Kind of... Bullseye's not a horse. He's a toy. 
fair enough, but he's still like a character with a consciousness and a personality yeah, and I stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, that would move on to my next pick. Uh, this is another pretty funny one, but I've got, okay, so one time I texted uh, our other brother, Sean, who's the one brother in our family who has not, not appeared on, on the podcast show yet. yet. I have, by the way, but, I have invited him and he has not been able to show. Okay, fair okay. enough. Someday he'll be here, but uh, one day I sent him a text as a joke and I said like, Everybody wants a custom Batmobile or DeLorean, and I just want this. And I sent him a picture, and that picture was of Hutch's van from Fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was just a funny joke, but this is another just recognizable van from a uh, movie that I love. That uh, <laughs> It's really just one of those things where it's like just this big nerdy van, like there's a Star Wars mural on the side and symbols right. all over, and it's just... Thinking about that van makes me think of, like, just fun, nerdy times with my friends and stuff like right. that, so. Right, yeah, that's that's a great, that's a <laughs> great honorable mention. Um, so my next honorable mention um, isn't meant to be funny, it's actually kind of serious. Um, it's the Viper. Okay. As in the Dodge Viper. And you think to yourself, <laughs> how do you get to take a real car and put it on your list? There was, when the show, well, okay, when the, when... The car company Dodge created yes. the Dodge Viper to yeah. be a selling a car that you could buy. I fell in love with the look of that car. It's one of my all-time favorite looking vehicles. And if yeah. I could own one, I would. However, right before that show came right before the show, right before that car came out, they made a television series called Viper. Okay. So this sounds kind of familiar. Which was basically an updated version of Knight Rider, except instead of it being Kit from Knight yeah. Rider, it was a Viper that changed color like it yeah. was it was a red viper but when like when it went into like i guess you could say quote unquote superhero mode it actually changed to a gray and like had like a top on it like it became this like thing and it had weapons in it and all this stuff i watched the show is not good for the limited time that it was on I liked the car. I, I remember you liking this show and talking about it. I don't know if I ever watched it, but when you said Viper, like, I knew what it was, but I didn't. I was like, why does that sound familiar? Why do I know that name? Yeah. I don't know um, any snakes. Honorable mentions aside, first actual pick. Okay. Ready for to start sure. matching? <laughs> yeah, let's okay. let's see how this goes. So, my next pick is actually a uh, another van that I like a lot, and that is the... Uh, uh, I have no vans, so... <laughs> <laughs> my list's all vans. No, I'm just kidding. It seems that way so far, though. Uh, no, it's the uh, Turtles van. Um, oh. Do you so, have the A-Team van on there, too? <laughs> no, no. Um, so, my favorite version... Uh, the party wagon. Yeah. Um, so, like, my favorite version of this van is the uh, 1980s cartoon version. Um, and I think that's really... Yes, that's my favorite version of that van, too. I had the toy. It was... Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but I think that's really because, uh, yeah, we had the toy for the van, and you it had like all the missiles in there and the guns, and yeah, you could, and it, it had a it was a playset. There was all yeah. kinds of stuff you could do with that thing. And what was cool is you had this toy that was kind of like your tactile reference to this thing in the show, so you could really visualize where the guns are and all the compartments. And I think that really made that van stick with me. But also, just I love the Ninja Turtles. I love most of their. Uh, animated or live action forms as well as their comics um and so this was just like a big pick for me so cool um all right well my first one then is i'm gonna go a little star wars on everybody and say the speeder bikes from the military speeder bikes from star wars okay and if you're a star wars fan i know when i say speeder bike you know what i'm talking about but to clarify if you have any hesitation because there are different bikes that you see throughout the franchise 
you see him in uh, Revenge of the Sith. You get to see him. You get to see the swoops in like uh, Rebels and uh, A New Hope. I'm talking about the military ones you see in Return of the Jedi, the iconic speeder bike chase from um, that original film. Right on. Um, I have always thought those bikes were amazing. That's one of my favorite sequences. Um, I actually got. I have the Black Series speeder bike on the shelf out in the living room. Um, really, really cool. Yeah, that's just. I've always wanted to ride one. You know, when I'm playing <laughs> like, sure. when I'm playing Star Wars Battlefront on the Xbox, and I have an opportunity to ride the speeder bike, I will. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I'm also seeing that's like an awesome pick. I mean, who didn't want to ride a speeder bike when you were a kid? And how many uh, time? How many times after watching the speeder bike chase scene in Return of the Jedi did you ride your bike? Weaving through some trees, oh, imagining yeah. you're on a speeder bike. For sure. Um, I also am feeling better about my list because I'm seeing that vehicles on the ground doesn't mean they have wheels or legs. So. Oh yeah, no, I just speeder bike. That that's not going in the space, and they don't fly very high, but they they hover. So I just ground based. Nice was all I was thinking. So all right, go ahead. Sweet. Man. Okay, so my next pick is uh, actually pretty similar to uh, speeder bikes. It is. Uh, Lobo's motorcycle. So <laughs> uh, the character Lobo from DC Comics, he's the uh, interplanetary uh, mercenary or bounty and this hunter. One, and this one bizarrely falls under the category of uh, flying. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, Lobo's essentially like this badass bounty hunter who has the appearance of like kind of an Earth-like biker <laughs> guy, but he has like, you know, his skin is like bright white and he's got like uh, dark uh, shapes around his eyes. So he looks like an alien, but he also looks like this badass biker, but he has this really cool motorcycle. And it's kind of one of these things where every time you see Lobo, he might be drawn by a different artist and they'll depict this motorcycle different ways, but it's basically this speeder bike looking thing that he can fly through space on and it almost always has like a really cool looking alien skull on the front of it and it just looks awesome and it's uh, it harkens back to uh, early 90s comics which has like kind of a special place in my heart so I always like just really liked that motorcycle. So Lobo always makes me laugh. I like I like him. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Since Lobo came up, we're gonna go off on a quick tangent. <laughs> sure. Um, Lobo, DC Comics, Wolverine, Marvel Comics. Wolverine, yeah, he's got his adamantium claws, but Wolverine's actual power is his super healing. Yeah. Right. Lobo, he might have multiple powers. I don't know because. I always feel like there's a mystery behind what that guy can really do. Yeah. Um, but he has an ability to super heal like Wolverine. Exactly, yeah. Now, I know that Lobo, at one point in the comics, re fully regenerated from a single drop of blood. <laughs> yeah. So, technically, Lobo can never die. I don't know if Wolverine ever went that far, but who do you think would win in a fight between <laughs> Lobo and Wolverine? <laughs> it's so hard to say. Like, I feel like... They're both so evenly matched. I feel like Wolverine's adamantium skeleton just, gives him an edge. But who would win in a fight between <laughs> Lobo and Wolverine? We win. I see <laughs> because I mean, we get to see it. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I could see Lobo bringing the fight to space, and then Wolverine screwed. So I want to say Lobo, right. but I mean, what are your thoughts? Your movie's too short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to make the joke and yeah. watch your and watch I mean, your watch you laugh at that. It's like the end of uh, Man of Steel, like uh, Zod. <laughs> And Superman brought the fight to space. It's just, in this case, Wolverine can't hang, so he's going to yeah, you know, exactly. suffocate. Exactly. Um, all right, well, my next pick, uh, getting back on tangent, um, I'm going to go with Ecto-1. Okay, nice. Uh, did we match? No, we actually okay. didn't match. 
So far, we haven't matched. Awesome. <laughs> um, Ecto won the Ghostbusters car, and when I say that, I'm referring to the original crew, not the girls' car. Not that that wasn't good. I just didn't... The The girls' one was more of a um, 1980s hearse. It had, like, a 1980s design to it, where the Ghostbusters, the original crew, had more of a traditional hearse. Yeah, it was, like, 50s or 60s yeah, style. Yeah, it just had more of a like traditional-looking hearse, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and the, then, the original one had the fins on the back and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I really like... So I loved the... Um, and I have the Lego of the original one, too. And it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the the original car was great. And then they had to add all this extra junk on top of it for the second film. So I look forward to seeing what they're doing <laughs> in the third one. I liked the one from the all-female Ghostbusters movie. There was an issue with the curved design with the original that I really liked. Yeah. And, you know, we all wanted to be a Ghostbuster and drive around with those proton packs and yeah. stuff like that. And that was, like, that was basically their Batmobile. Mm-hmm. And it was great. So. Um, I feel like the original did a really good job of being, like, it looked really funny and goofy and sort of, like, DIY sort of But thing. not only but that, it, but when you saw it, you had to take them seriously. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it had, like, just a really cool aspect to it as right. well because it was, like, the classic car right. style. And it becomes an emergency vehicle and whatnot. Um, I do think it's funny that they didn't have M plates on Ecto-1. Um, it The license plate just said Ecto-1. Yeah. M plates meaning municipalities. So they okay. weren't technically in an emergency vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So... Um, I just thought that was kind of funny, but... Uh, That's a really subtle joke, but yeah, I like that a lot. Right. <laughs> um, I really enjoy... Like, Ecto-1 is obviously one of the greatest pop culture cars out there, and I really like this one. I think I did. it didn't make my list just because I feel like the car doesn't necessarily have, like, a lot of features or necessarily do stuff right. besides, you know... Holding the Ghostbusters equipment yeah, all, all and all that stuff, stuff like that. on top, you never really find out what all that stuff is for, yeah. which is fine, but... They probably made use of it in the cartoon, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the cartoon well enough to know if the Ghostbusters used any of that stuff, but what I do know is that the car looked cool, and we all wanted... I had the, I had the actual, the action figure toy as yeah. a kid, and, I got, and later <laughs> in life, when you don't have that, and Lego releases this collector's edition Ghostbuster vehicle, I'm like, I gotta get that. So nice. Yeah. Um, so right, that ahead. would roll into my next pick, um, which would be okay. So here's where I think we matched, but I think I took it a little bit further. Uh, the hoverboard from Back to the Future Two. We did not. Okay, interesting. So I actually was gonna pick just uh, Marty McFly's hoverboard that he uses that I think he steals <clears throat> from a little girl's scooter, and he takes the uh, the handlebars off, and it becomes yeah. like a hoverboard that he uses for that little chase scene he has with. Uh, I can't remember uh, Future Biff's name. Like Griff. The, okay, Griff. Yeah, Griff and his uh, minions or whatever. They have that <laughs> little chase scene. Um, but thinking about it more, I think just with uh, how my aesthetics have kind of uh, evolved as I've grown older, I think I actually prefer the Pitbull, which is the hoverboard <laughs> that, that Griff has. That's, right. you know, the uh, I'm just a sucker for the all black <laughs> spikes oh, and kind I, of the ridiculous oh, look I totally it. agree. And the Pitbull has the uh, jets on it and stuff, so... I was originally going to pick the hoverboard, but I think I'm actually going to go with the pit bull for this one. So, All right, I will make a note of that. But um, <laughs> what's interesting about the hoverboard is uh, kids out there, you probably you may have gotten for Christmas at one point uh, a thing called a hoverboard with two wheels, and you stand on it, and you you know your weight changes the direction, and you ride around your house and stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, that has wheels, so it's not a hoverboard. 
I don't know who thought that was a good idea to put that name on that product, but that is not actually a hoverboard because it doesn't actually hover. So, uh, if you want to see what a real hoverboard is, go watch Back to the Future 2. That's a real hoverboard. Right. Or go turn on your Fortnite because they have hoverboards <laughs> in Fortnite now. So, um, yeah, um, anyway. My opinion about those hoverboards is that a skateboard is always going to look cooler than one of those things <laughs> anyway. So, and it's cheaper. So, All right, so my next one is I'm going to go another Star Wars route, and that is um, the ATAT. Okay, nice. The all-terrain, the Imperial Walker or all-terrain armored transport. Uh, you see them in the Battle of Hoth. You see them a little bit in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, you see them in Rogue One, uh, and you see variations. You see, actually, if you watch, if you pay real close attention, you see the te- technological advancement of all the vehicles. But at the end of the day, it's the Battle of Hoth. It's the ATAT. It's just giant lumbering walking tank, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about it is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the ATAT. Um, I don't have much to say about it. If you haven't seen Star Wars, shame on you. Go see Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, it's an awesome pick, and uh, I think I had this on our giant robots list, and uh, we I kind be- of disagreed I about it. Like, I the only reason I disagreed with that at that time was because I was considering it as opposed to a robot a vehicle. Yeah. Um, um, but I think like this is like a lot of other Star Wars vehicles, just one of the most iconic looking uh it's a huge iconic design most people even if you don't know star wars you could see a picture of it and go i know that's from some space thing probably star wars yeah you know so it's it's one of the toys that i always wanted as a kid and never got a chance to get so Mm -hmm. nice (laughs) yeah uh what do you got for your second pick okay this one uh we might match i did the uh batmobile and uh okay which (laughs) now remember what i said in the rules you could there's I had a to pick thousand a thousand Batmobiles, one. and you had to pick a specific Batmobile, so we didn't come up with a list of all. So Batmobiles. I actually uh, picked the Tim Burton Batmobile. If are you gonna make yes. me narrow down uh, movies? Or? No, because okay. the Tim look the Tim Burton Batmobile. He did two movies. Used the same Batmobile yeah. for each movie. They just showed different gadgets. It's for Bat- sure Batmobile '89, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you, I matched with this one as well. Nice, so, awesome. Um, so, well, I guess what I was going to say is while uh, the Tumblr from the Dark Knight movies and uh, the newer, like, Zack Snyder uh, Batmobile are probably more realistic in terms of a tactical vehicle that's essentially a tank that's unleashed on the city streets, I kind of just really like the old-school-style Batmobile where it's, like, kind of this really sleek sport car with a ton of gadgets on it. And I think Tim Burton really did the best job of making that come to life. You know, it's like... Kind of like a Bond car almost. Like there's tons of gadgets and stuff and it's really sleek, but it's also just a really unique design. Um, right. I, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think I enjoy it for the gadgets and just kind of the uh, sleekness of it. It's um, partial of the gadgets. This, uh, this, this, this specific Batmobile was designed by Anton first, who did the visual design of what Gotham City would look like as well. So mm-hmm. when designing that city, Anton first would then later go, well... We need to make the car, and the car needs to fit into the world that we just built. Yeah. And you couldn't have designed a more gorgeous Batmobile. And I and I agree with you. The, the Christian Bale Batmobile the Tumbler, it looks like a tank. Yeah. And it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. The Tumbler and, is and it's, really it's pra- cool. It's practical. It's and practical. It's and, and, and they had to make... <coughs> and they made the Batman, the Dark Knight Trilogy Batmobile stuff. They made it, They had to make everything hyper-realistic. And everything yeah. had to have a reason. And, you had, and, and that's great. Okay, um, and then you look at the Batman vs. Superman Batmobile, and again, they kind of took the tank idea, but made yeah. it sleeker, so it's more yeah. of a sports car kind of a thing. 
again, great. It's awesome. I really liked the Batman vs. Superman Batmobile oh, yeah. a lot. If you go back and you look at the George Clooney Batmobile from Batman and Robin or the Val Kilmer Batmobile from Batman Forever, those Batmobiles are very, a little bit more, um, I guess, cartoony yeah. is a way of wording it. They don't, I don't feel like they're as realistic. Oh, yeah, definitely um, not. But when you look at the Anton first, Batmobile 89 from Batman and Batman Returns, you, like, that screams Batman. Oh, yeah. More than any of the other Batmobiles that have come in terms of live-action animation, it screams Batman. Yeah. Um, if I had the ability to own a Batmobile, that would be the one I would own. Like, hands down. Even mm-hmm. if I, even if someone were like, hey, as a birthday present, I'm going to rent you the Batmobile to drive around for the day, that would be the Batmobile oh, I yeah. would choose. You Definitely. know what I mean? So, the, um, uh, the 60s Batmobile is up there a little bit just because I feel like it has the best ability to be that's, uh, street legal, essentially. That's, that but... one, the, the 60s Batmobile <laughs> is also um, a product of its time, mm-hmm. but its iconography stands out. Yeah. So, um, I will say, since we've talked about a lot of Batmobiles, I did see a, uh, there's a better shot online of the Titans, the DC, the DC Universe, uh, Titan show, the Batmobile on that, and, uh, I saw a better shot of it, and it actually almost looks like there's hints of every other Batmobile in that car, which is kind of cool, like it... It's kind of more like the 60s, but it has, like, Burton elements, and it has Batman the Animated Series elements, and I think they did a really good job on that one. So. Uh, I saw that I saw that image, too, and mm-hmm. I agree. I think that looks fantastic. But, man, those Burton... And I've been thinking more and more about um, the Burton Batman films, and I really... And I know that I watch Batman stuff a lot because I'm such a fan, but yeah. I really kind of want to, like, go through and rewatch those movies again, like, completely revisit them, even though I've seen them a thousand times. I've been kind of itching to do that. Um, and this is the 30th anniversary... This year is the 30th anniversary of the first Batman film, so I'm probably going to give it a watch anyway, so... Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, 1989 Batmobile. Uh, we both matched sure. on that one, so I'm going <coughs> to throw awesome. that back at you for your final pick, and I have a feeling, because it has not been brought up yet... We matched again. So. I don't know, actually, because uh, I actually not. went with a spaceship. Um, oh, I went we with didn't the uh, Millennium Falcon for my last oh, pick. So, funny. like, um, the Falcon, like, it's kind of weird. Uh, I know a lot of people have, like, always been huge fans of Han Solo, and growing up, I kn- Han Solo was never my favorite Star Wars character because he couldn't fight with a lightsaber, and that was, like, a big thing for me growing up. Like, I was like sword fighting, I was like lightsabers, so I always was drawn more to Luke, but uh, Han Solo's ship was definitely the coolest in the Star Wars universe. And uh, even thinking about it now, I think, like, the Millennium Falcon is such a good uh, ship for, like, something that you can fight in, that you can fly fast in, go on adventures, but also, like, has a decent living space that you could actually see yourself spending, like, a lot of time in that ship, you know? So that's kind of where it came in for me like it's the best like maneuver maneuverability fighting living space like it has it all so i mean i don't know what your thoughts are on the whole thing well so this didn't make my list only because like i said i focused on more ground based <laughs> yeah stuff. um so if we were going to do a spaceship list or something i guarantee this makes my list but the millennium falcon 
aside from its iconography and its you know the fact that you can see it and you know exactly what it is, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, even if you've never seen yeah. Star Wars, you know what the Millennium Falcon is. Um, but I agree with you. Han Solo to me was always a secondary character because I always liked the lightsabers. I yeah. wanted to be Luke Skywalker and run around and do that. As I've grown older, Han Solo has become so much more of a cooler character as we've go- as I've grown up. Right. More yeah. and more and more, he's become such a cooler character, and that ship has gotten so much cooler and cooler and cooler as it goes. And I can't preface enough that everyone needs to go to your Netflix right now and watch Han the Solo, a Star Wars story, because yeah. it's astounding. It's so good. And that movie actually, not only did it make me like Han Solo more, it made me like the ship more. It made me like Chewie more. Like, more than I already did. I already love it. Yeah. And here I am loving it. All. It's like I fell in love with it all over again. Um and yeah, that's that's a ship we wish we all had. I mean, oh, how yeah. many times do you want to be in the vehicle with your buddies behind you, getting ready to like throw it in hyperdrive? And you know, that's it's the hot, it's the the Millennium Falcon is the ultimate hot rod. Yeah. So um, I always like I don't know this. You've probably heard this story. It was probably on a documentary or something. But I heard like about like how they came up with the shape of the Millennium Falcon. Do you know um, where I'm going with this? You can you can go. I've seen so many concept art stuff okay. of the Falcon that I'm probably getting stories crossed. So, so. so I heard a story once that uh, whoever was designing the ship or the lead of the team designing it, George Lucas went to them and said, this is what I want my ship to be shaped like. And he had either like a cheeseburger or a cookie in his hand. <laughs> and he took one bite out of it. And then put it down. So it was like a circle with a bite taken out. And that's what they used to design the whole thing. Which I think is like, it sounds hilarious. I've never heard that. Oh, no? No. Uh, it but sounds, that sounds like something George Lucas would yeah, do. I mean, it sounds hilarious and so silly, but it's also like really genius where you know George Lucas is like, I want it to have this simple, like, iconic sort of silhouette to it, but I still want it to look really cool. And it, it kind of shows like... I don't know, it's just kind of a genius little tidbit that George Lucas did there. I don't know if this is true. I can't even remember where I heard it, but I love that story nonetheless. So. <laughs> yeah, right on. No, I have not heard that. That's that's hilarious. Um, all right, so is this my last pick? Yeah. This brings us to the end of the night. Um, I only saved this for the end because I was, I was going to save the Batmobile for the end because of my love for Batman, but... I, I saved this to the end because I've been thinking a lot about this movie lately. I've been thinking a lot about, like, so obviously this vehicle comes from a movie. You're right. But I've been thinking a lot about this movie lately in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the adventure you go on, in terms of um, it just taking, like, even though it's part of a series, the first film is so tightly balled together that it's like, it's almost like a it's almost like its own little like perfect story that we would never want touched, rebooted, remade, nothing. And that movie is Back to the Future, and the vehicle is the time machine. Right on. You look at that car, not, not only do you want to go on the adventure, not only do you want to go into the DeLorean and go back in time and do the time travel stuff, but that car screams adventure. Like, everything about that vehicle screams adventure. The music that goes along with the car, the theme song that plays, like, it it's amazing. Like, it, it's, a, it, it's funny that I say this, but Back to the Future is actually, that theme song from Back to the Future is my ringtone on my phone right yeah. now. So, um, but that's, yeah, I, I'm not entirely even, I'm almost kind of flabbergasted in the way I was talking about it. But I'm just like, this is weird, like, falling in love with that movie all over again right now for me. And... But it's the idea of the adventure behind what that car meant. When you, especially when you see it for the first time. 
that car rolls out of the back of that semi and you're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Why is this? Mm-hmm. Where is this going? And then when you find out the whole thing, you're suddenly in this adventure and like the whole ending of the movie is such an excitement. <laughs> So yeah, do you have any um, thoughts on that? That's a great pick. I, I this the DeLorean definitely made my short list. Um, I actually don't know why, because like <laughs> you're describing it, and I'm just sitting here like, man, that should have been on my list. But, <laughs> um, no, I mean it's definitely awesome. I love how, uh, like I said, I was this, focusing on ground based yeah, stuff, but I love how the DeLorean. Um, I think it's at the end of the first movie it's revealed, but definitely in the second movie you get to see it fly too, and it kind of. I love the idea of it being able to go between, like, current, present time, and the future, like, seamlessly to an extent, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome pick. I mean, there's not enough good things you could say about the DeLorean, but, right. um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's another one that you just see, and it brings a smile to your face, so. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I just, I love that car, and that's another car that I would own if I could. Um, if you buy a DeLorean, if you actually can get your hands on a DeLorean, um, because they're very rare to be found, you, it won't look like the car in Back to the Future because the car in the Back to the Future was heavily modified to look the way it was uh, for various reasons, not only because it's uh, a time machine that's part of it, but all that stuff yeah. has reasonings for being there. Aren't people like doing like the, they're uh, taking other cars and now they're like just cu- customizing like the outer body to look like DeLoreans and well, stuff? Well, that'd be cool. Someone can do that to my car like right now. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was going to have a DeLorean, if it does, even if I had like a custom build, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I have to have those doors. Like, yeah, for th- sure. Those doors are amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, that's a car that I would love to have get my hands on as a DeLorean. Is that like besides just in pop culture? What's your favorite? If is that like in real life, the car you would go to if you had to have like a no? If I had a choice to buy a car, it'd be the Batmobile. Okay, the Batmobile. But in all seriousness, that the the DeLorean would be second right yeah. there. But I don't. But see. You could probably, I could get the DeLorean and make it, and I let's say I let's say I had all the money in the world and I could choose any car I want. <laughs> yes, the Batmobile would have to be in the garage, but the DeLorean is a little more street legal yeah. than the Batman 89 Batmobile. Mm-hmm. So um, I know I could get the DeLorean and go drive around and people would be like, oh my God, it's the car for Back to the Future. And that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Um, and I know I could get away with driving it in a way that you couldn't with other vehicles yeah. out there, so... Mine was always tied for uh, either, like, Tim Burton Batmobile or, like, I always just really wanted the Turtles van. I always thought that'd be cool to, like, drive right. that around in real life, too. So. Right. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the list. That brings us to the end of the episode. But we need to know what we're doing next week, and it's your pick. <laughs> okay, for sure. You've had a um, lot of time to sit off and yeah. not, like, and to twiddle your thumbs and try and um, come up with a list. So what do we got for us next week? Yeah, and I actually didn't think of uh, the list until this past weekend. And That's uh, totally fine. Yeah, like, I, I, there's, I, da- there's days <laughs> that you're walking in to do the record, and yeah. I'm just now coming up with my list um, ideas, So <laughs> I thought of this list because uh, where I live, uh, the next town over, uh, we went to this barbecue. <laughs> this barbecue restaurant, right? Are we doing um, uh, and it's top five restaurants? No, no, <laughs> no. But it'll get there. So this this, it, this restaurant has really good food, but it's also like the owner's like a massive nerd or something. Okay. There's collectibles everywhere. Like there's action figures. There's superhero stuff. There's just all over the place. There's collectibles, but also mixed in there's arcade games. And actually, in the back of the restaurant, there's a full arcade. So that was really fun, and uh, it led me into thinking about how we could actually do a top five arcade game list. 
So interesting. Yeah. If you're able to do it, that's I what I would total, like to choose. I totally could do it, but okay. I'm going to have to really dive into, yeah. man, what arcade games have I played versus not played? Yeah. So... Um, I know you've played a lot. I know uh, we went to. Uh, Disney. I like this. I like this list though. Yeah, like that sounds awesome. So. I, I know we went to uh, Disney Quest back in the day. Which yeah, was a, Disney Quest is yeah, a thing, <laughs> which was a Chicago Disney attraction that was basically a giant arcade. So I've seen you play a lot of arcade games. So I know <laughs> you can do it. But I thought this would be a really fun thing to do. Uh, one of the things I love about arcade games is that. Usually you encounter them in a group atmosphere with like your family and friends and you might have some fun memories to go along with it besides yeah. just the game itself. Yeah, and we're not talking something that could be played on a console. We're talking like you have to go to an arcade, old school, put the quarter in, play the game kind of thing, I, right? I mean, I think it's like if, I mean, there's so many games you can play Look, on here's the now, thing. but... Here's the thing, Pac-Man... <laughs> Pac-Man was an arcade game, but I yeah. can get it on the Nintendo if I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I can get it on my Xbox. But my point is, this is a game, like, you can't play, like, I don't think you can play Star Wars Battlefront on an arcade game. No, yeah. Okay, sure. it has to be, like, Mortal Kombat, I can get on my Xbox. But Mortal Kombat is also an arcade game. So it mm -hmm. has to be an old school arcade box, go to the arcade play kind of game, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right yeah. on. Okay. I mean, I think, I was going to say, I think it's okay if it's something that you can play on a console, but you're, like, you get extra credit points if you actually can well, play I it think that you've well, actually played it there's games that you, there's games that do not have, <coughs> there's, like, Fortnite's not on an arcade. Yeah. So, sorry, kids, that doesn't work here. <laughs> yeah. But my point is that there's games that are only on consoles. But I'm talking, like, as long as it was a legitimate arcade game, I think it's okay. Yeah, I just want to make so that too. rule because I don't want you showing up with some weird thing that I'm like, that's not an arcade <laughs> game. Where'd you get that right from? Right on, yeah. So video games have changed over the years, and, you know, I think yeah. we're going to... Yeah, all right. This is actually a cool list. I'm gonna, I'll, <laughs> nice. have, I'll have fun with it. So. Nice. Um, very cool. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. We apologize for any coughing you heard Peter do because <laughs> he said at the top of the episode he was sick. So if his voice sounded weird, same thing. We apologize. <laughs> but we want our listeners are the most important thing. So, I mean, man, between sick and braving cold, uh, cold, rainy, icy weather to get to us, we're almost like the post office through rain and shine. <laughs> and, for know, sure, yeah. Uh, we're just trying to get you the episodes. So with that being said, we're going to close out for the night. It's another episode in the can. Um, if you want to check us out at top5report.com, you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. You'll find our email there for top5report at gmail.com if you want to interact with the show. Um, please follow us on iTunes. Subscribe to us because if you do, you will not miss a single episode. And leave us a review because the words you leave us make us feel like the words we say are important. Um, with that being said, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Drew3927. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at NinjaPierre, and that's yep. pretty much the only place I post right now. <laughs> and until next week when we talk about our top five arcade games, for the Top 5 Report, I am Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.